Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here. Thursday morning, March 23rd. Thanks for joining us. We are digging into the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read the passage we've been focused on. Of course, this is going to be the text that we're going to preach through this Sunday. And what we're trying to do here in these devotionals, if you're new, is just to kind of walk through them slowly, um, interpret them as we go, draw some insights out, um, hopefully, Lord willing, to give you some tools to, to help you better understand, interpret the Bible for yourself. And so here at the onset of the Sermon on the Mount, what we see is this is Jesus's invitation to the good life. This is Jesus's invitation to the flourishing life. If you want to have peace, if you want to have joy, Jesus said, here's a trajectory to follow. But as we've seen, what's unique about this pathway is it's all backwards. It's all upside down. It's not, does not reflect the values of God, of the world. It reflects the values of God. So let's read the text. Let's continue to, to dig in. Matthew 5, 1, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. As I said before, if there are 10,000 commentaries on the Gospel of Matthew, then there are 10,000 different ways to chop up and interpret and organize the Beatitudes, these, these invitations that Jesus is offering into uh, the joyful life. And because of that, um, there's a lot of different directions that we could take in running at these, but the one that we've chosen that seems to me, again, not the only way to look at it, but one way to look at it is to look at this, um, these Beatitudes in three parts, okay? The first part uh, being the examination of our interior world before God. Second, the second set of Beatitudes Thus then, because of that um, internal encounter with God, assessment with God, engagement with God, this is how then we are engaging with those around us. And then lastly, because of those first two things, what then is our position in the world? What then is the world's evaluation of us? Okay, and so, so yesterday, we really focused on those first four Beatitudes where Jesus is calling us to a particular posture before God. We are poor in spirit, meaning we are, we are assessing ourselves in terms of who we are. We're coming to God with humility, 
we're opening our heart, we're seeing our brokenness and sinfulness. In turn, we are mourning over our sin. We are confessing our sin. And this indeed produces a posture of meekness in us, um, of, of rightly um, assessing who we are and, in relationship to ourself and other people. Now, the second set of Beatitudes is what we're going to sort of dig into here this morning. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, and blessed are the peacemakers. And I, and I want to show how each of these really has an outward dimension to it that is sort of flows out of this inward posture before God. So let's start with blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, what this, what the, this beatitude is, is not saying is that if you show mercy to other people, God will show you mercy. And if you don't show mercy, then God won't show you mercy. That's, that's not what's being said here. Rather, Jesus is describing a sort of a, a state of being a posture, and that this is a posture where because we know our own brokenness and because we know our own sinfulness, because we are very aware of the mercy we receive from God, then we in turn are going to naturally be merciful to others, um, even when they don't deserve it, and particularly when they don't deserve it. After all, that's what mercy is. And if we find that we are having a difficult time being merciful to others, we're holding on to grudges, we're wrestling with forgiveness, then I think it could be rightfully said that maybe we really need to get reconnected, re retuned to the mercy we have received through Jesus Christ at the cross. By the same token, if there is someone who is, has a steadfast refusal to forgive, to be merciful, um, to, um, to, to let go of that grudge, if, if there's sort of a steadfast hard-heartedness, then it, it might be right for us to ask, does that person indeed understand the mercy of God at all? But that's a, it's not a tit for tat. It's simply saying those who've received mercy, right, um, are those who are going to be most likely to demonstrate mercy in the context of other people. Next, blessed are the pure in heart, okay? And, and here, um, when we talk about pure in heart, think about the, 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 the process of engaging with others with no guile, with no agenda, with no ulterior motive or motivation. That's, my goodness, that, that's, that's a tall order in our day and age, particularly on social media where we are tempted to curate an image of ourself and to, and to present something that it's not where every interaction is based upon some sort of agenda or something that's happening underneath the surface. Well, fundamentally, the pure in heart are who they say they are. They are who they are. Their yes is yes, their no is no. There is not an underlying agenda to what they are doing. There is a transparency there versus a manipulation. So again, do you see how this, this, this works out? For those who have this had this inward, okay, encounter with God are in turn merciful because they know they've been shown mercy and they are pure in heart, right? Because of who they are in Christ, who they are in the gospel, 
they are now freed up to be themselves without fear. They are now free to entrust themselves and their interactions with other people to God. They are pure in heart versus subversive, Subverse, uh, versus being full of guile. And sort of the last thing here um, that results in terms of these interactions that we have with others, it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Again, this doesn't mean that if you go around making peace, God will make you his son. If you don't go around making peace, God won't make you his son, right? Again, not, not what it's saying. What it's saying is that those who have made peace with God in their souls, their souls are right with God, are not going to feel the need to bring drama and conflict into all their relationships, right? Um, they are going to be ones who are seeking to make peace. This idea of making peace, this is a proactive thing. This is something where knowing that who we are, fully secure in Christ, our identity is in him, we are pure in heart, we have been shown mercy. Now it is not necessary for us to always get our way. It is not necessary for us to always assert our will. It is not necessary for us to now press ourselves forward. We are a peacemaker, and because we're a peacemaker, we're showing, in fact, that our hearts have been changed, that our souls have been changed, and we can dwell securely and peacefully and in unity with one another. Now, let me say this. Being a peacemaker is not the same thing as keeping the peace, okay? Keeping the peace is an inherently selfish thing. Keeping the peace means looking out for ourselves. It means being afraid to offend. It means trying to keep everybody happy. Uh, keeping the peace means turning our um, turning away from something we know that is that is that's wrong, but we want to act like it's right because we don't want to get into the conflict. We don't want to jeopardize our relationship. That's not peacemaking, right? That's peacekeeping, and what. What we're doing there is inherently self-serving. We're protecting ourselves. See, a peacemaker doesn't mean that a, a peacemaker will tell the truth. A peacemaker will, will say things as they are, not with the goal of winning the conflict, not with the goal of dominating or controlling, but with the, with the goal of, of bringing truth to a situation. See, there can't be peace, real peace, without truth. And so... Again, um, we can see how verses 7, 8, and 9, these, these three particular beatitudes, are all, have all, they're all flowing out of a changed heart without, with an encounter with God, and they are showing up in relationship to other people, okay? So, so that, that's, that's what we're speaking to here. Now, tomorrow, Friday, we're going to look at the last two of these Beatitudes. And this shows us sort of the sum result or the net result or the status of or the being of um, where all this leads us. Okay. So in other words, as we are following the Beatitudes and entrusting ourselves to the way of the kingdom, what will be the net result of our status in the world? And it's not probably the answer 
we were hoping or thinking of, but it's the best answer, and we'll see it tomorrow. So let me pray now. Lord, thanks for this time. We do truly want to be pursuing our happiness in you. And so, Father, pray that we would entrust ourselves to the way of the kingdom. And as backwards as some of these things are to the, to the, to the, to the culture of the world, we would see your hand of grace in them. And so, Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.